0: Hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News. In a nutshell for you, Tuesday morning, it is the 25th of July, 2023. Daniel Pedro back in the chair over the course of the next hour, broadcasting through SEN, 1170 AM in Sydney. SENQ 693 a.m. in Brisbane and SCN 1620 a.m. on the Gold Coast. one one 1170 our open line number. You can text 457 736 736, And that is all before breakfast with Vossie and Copes. Trent Copeland in for Brandy this morning. Uh, in for listeners through SCN 1170 a.m. And for listeners in Queensland, of course, Patton Heels, along after the 6 o'clock news for you. Lots to get through between now and 6am. We're going to have a chat shortly to Paul Dennett from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast, get his thoughts on the state of play as Australia... Uh, Retain the Ashes yesterday. We'll uh, look at some of the talking points as well from the fourth test. So he'll join me in about 15 minutes. And also uh, hoping in about half an hour to have a quick chat with John Gallo, the Women's World Cup continuing. Um, We'll go through the results from yesterday shortly. We'll let you know what's happening today. So we'll have a quick chat with him hopefully in about half an hour. Of course, the Matildas are back in action on Thursday night up in Brisbane uh, at Suncorp Stadium, actually at the same time um, as the Broncos-Roosters game at the Gabba. So I'm not sure if that was the smartest bit of scheduling from the NRL, but anyway, uh, we'll talk about that uh, with John as well. So plenty to get through. one one 1170 the open line number. You can text 457 736 Tuesday morning at 2 past 5. The Hot Topic, thanks to Rain. Built tough for Aussie conditions.
1: When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a ream.
0: Computer just taking a while to warm up there. Accept Ast- nothing less than Australia's best and install a ream, Australia's favourite hot water. Before we get to some of the news of the day, on 0457 736, 736 or 1300 01 had a friend of mine ring me very excitedly yesterday. He ran into one of his... Well, I wouldn't say childhood sporting heroes, probably twi- when he was in his 20s. Now, I'm not going to tell you who it is. I will a little later on. Uh, he was very excited. He's always wanted to meet this person. So I wanted to know, brushes with sporting fame. Did you ever get to meet your childhood sporting hero? And who was it? 0457 736 736 or 1300 three hundred o one eleven seventy. As I said, uh, this person that rang me uh, yesterday was very excited about meeting this person. I'll tell you who it was towards the end of the show, but uh, it might be someone you nominate today. Your childhood sporting heroes, or maybe just a sporting hero like him, maybe not so much in your childhood. Did you get to meet them and where? What were they like? Uh, 0457 736, 736 or 1300 01 1170. Three and a half past five. Um, now, uh, let's talk about the Panthers first as some of the news of the day. Uh, a lot of talk uh, over the course of the weekend, wasn't there, surrounding Jerome Luai? Um, and that story will continue on, whether... Uh, He's going to be staying at Penrith. I know Ivan Cleary said in the post-match press conference after their win against the Bulldogs on Sunday afternoon that Jerome wants to stay, and you'd imagine Penrith want to keep him, but no doubt if he does hit the open market, there will be some interest in, a lot of interest in, Jerome Luai. But meanwhile, Liam Martin is on the verge of signing a three-year $2.3 million contract extension at the Penrith Panthers. So that will take Martin through until the end of the 2027 season, and is expected to be announced on Thursday. His new contract will average out at just under $800,000 a season. Uh, A huge result for the Panthers uh, in that at least four rival clubs had expressed long-term interest in Martin, although they couldn't officially negotiate until November 1. The Panthers now have the bulk of their core players on long-term deals. Martin, Nathan Cleary, Brian Tuu, Isaiah Yo, Moses Leota, will remain at Penrith until at least the end of 2027. Well, James Fisher-Harris and Scott Sorensen will be there until the end of 2026. An exciting young centre, Isaac Tago and Hooker Sonny Luke, both are there until the end at least of 2025. So two big names for Penrith to lock down after Liam Martin gets secured. And that will be 5-8, as I mentioned, Jerome Loy, and fullback Dylan Edwards. Now, they are both off contract at the end of next season, and are looking for substantial upgrades. Both players are able to sign with rival clubs from November 1 and would have to take less money than what they could earn elsewhere to stay with the two-time defending premiers. Um, Interesting. uh, We know the Panthers, after the 2021 grand final win, lost Kurt Capewell and Matt Burden. And then, of course, after last year, uh, Kikau and Coracell left. To both teams, uh, we know Stephen Crichton is off to uh, the Bulldogs. Uh, Spencer Linnu will move to the Roosters next year. Uh, really good news for the Panthers in terms of re-signing Liam Martin. But this Jerome Luai, Dylan Edwards thing keeps popping up. I remember talking about it a few, a few months ago now, towards the start. Might have even be, been before the season started, about um, whether the Panthers will be able to keep both Jerome Luai and Dylan Edwards. And which one would you keep? We've seen them again this year. Jerome Law, of course, played two games of State of Origin. Dylan Edwards, very unlucky uh, not to be playing rep football. He's just been around in an era where James Odesco really has dominated things. And we've also had New South Wales. have also had Tom Dravojevic, Latrell Mitchell around. And now, in terms of Australian, uh, Rhys Walsh, probably pushing for that fullback jersey as well. Penrith fans, you worried you're going to lose one of the two or do you believe that you can keep Jerome Luai and Dylan Edwards? And if you were another club, and I asked this question a few months ago, but now we've seen 21, what, 22, 20, 21 weeks of the NRL season so far. If you were a CEO or coach of another club and you could sign only one of Jerome Luai and Dylan Edwards, who would it be? Both very important parts of that Penrith squad. Um both very important parts to what they have done over the past two or three years and quite possibly the way they're playing potentially be part of a three peat but who would you sign if you could only sign one of them after what you've seen not just the past two years but also this year is it Dylan Edwards is it Jerome Light 70 or 0457736736 and if you are a Panthers fan are you concerned about losing one or both of them You would think they would be able to keep one. Definitely wouldn't want to be losing both of them. But we have seen, even when these state-of-origin players have been missing, the system at the Penrith Panthers is fantastic. So whoever would have to step up to the mark, I'm sure, would do a great job. But you still don't want to lose either of them, really. So who would you sign? Dylan Edwards, Jerome Lloyd, one 30 or 0457-736-736. Canterbury are on the verge of adding versatile South Sydney utility Blake Taft to their addition uh, after they announced yesterday that his Rabidos or former Rabidos teammate Liam Knight will be joining the Bulldogs. Now Blake Taft is off contract at the end of the season, and he met Bulldogs general manager of football Phil Gould last week and is believed to be closing in on a deal for the next two seasons. His addition, as I said, would come hot on the heels of the club signing of Knight, who could play for the Bulldogs as soon as this weekend. Uh, Phil Gulloche said we are delighted to have Liam on board. He adds depth and experience to our Ford stocks. Uh, made seventy-six NRL appearances to date, Liam, uh, but has struggled to face his, uh, get his way into the Rabbitohs side this season. Knight was off contract at the end of the year and given permission by the Rabbitohs to explore his options on the open market. Um, So that's good news for the Bulldogs in terms of, uh, well, Liam Knight, but also uh, in terms of Blake Taft, if they could get him. We saw what he did at fullback a couple of weeks ago uh, when Latrell Mitchell wasn't there. Um, he can be very explosive. He can also play in the halves at a pinch. So um, I think the Bulldogs would, I don't know where you'd play him. I mean, they have signed Stephen Crichton, which I suppose would be, their main option to be playing fullback, but we know Stephen Crichton has basically played all his career at centre. So Blake Tuff may well start as a utility player next year for the Bulldogs if they were to sign him, but depending how Stephen Crichton goes, may well move into that fullback role at some point. It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there. And one more before a break, uh, Nico Hines, a bit of talk around him uh, yesterday. Uh, He has avoided being charged by the NRL Match Review Committee, but was admonished uh, on-field admonished on by a referee who had enough of his complaining. Uh, the committee listened to the on-field audio on Monday to determine what Hines yelled at Touch Judge Belinda Sharp during uh, their loss to Manly on Sunday, but failed to identify any abusive language. Uh, Hines was hauled before referee Peter Goff uh, for clearly giving Sharp a spray after a pass he threw was ruled forward. The committee, however, ruled Hines had no case to answer but the NRL head of elite football operations, Graeme Annesley, gave reasons why Goff was so strong in his wording to the Shark Star. So Annesley said yesterday, my understanding is that he, Goff, reacted quite strongly because he felt Nico had been complaining about decisions on multiple occasions during the course of the game and he had enough of it at that stage. The match review committee have reviewed the video and audio and spoke with the official concerned. And there's no evidence of any untoward language used and no offense taken by the officials in relation to what was said. Players are always going to be upset when decisions don't go their way. And also said, he did not feel a need to send Heinz a reminder about on-field expectations. He said, that's not uh, that's not for me to do. Uh, So, Nico Hines escapes suspension there, and I tell you what, they'll be happy with that, the Cronulla Sharks, because they desperately need uh, Nico Hines there, who, uh, although they came back on Sunday, and we touched on this yesterday, ended up 30 points to 26. That first half, very worrying for the Cronulla Sharks, uh, and it's been worrying for quite some time. Uh, Their performances against the Storm and the Warriors in recent weeks, then backing that up against Manly. And as I said yesterday, they've got a pretty tricky run home, the Sharks. A lot of people yesterday I heard talking about this race to the top eight that really spans all the way down uh, to the Roosters. There's 12 teams um, really in line to make the top eight. Um, and you can probably throw the Dolphins in that as well because they are sitting on 22 points as well. Um, so probably a race in 13 still. Now, the Sharks are probably everyone's favorites to slip out of the top eight. So they need Nico Hines there and playing his best footy to get them out of this slump they are in. But still, I think, very worrying times for the Cronulla Sharks. 1-300-01-11-70, our open line number. You can send a text, 0457-736-736. I'll get to them after this break. Asking you this morning, uh, your sporting heroes. Did you get to meet your sporting Look, it can be more than one as well. But when did you get to meet your sporting hero? Childhood hero, maybe someone you've loved as an adult. Uh, when did you get to meet them? One three hundred oh one eleven seventy or oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. The Panthers on the verge of re-signing Liam Martin, but which is good news. But for the Panthers, Dylan Edwards, Jerome Luai off contract at the moment will be able to talk to rival clubs from November one. Who would you like to sign if you're a coach, CEO, recruitment manager? Which one of those two do you sign, Dylan Edwards? Or Jerome Luwin, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. It is thirteen past five. Paul Dennett, not too far away as well, to look back at the fourth Ashes Test. It is tradies news in a nutshell on this Tuesday morning. Paul Dennett from the Cricket on Fieldhood podcast in just a second. Mentioned Nico Hines, a bit of other judiciary slash suspension news. Uh, Tarek Sims has been whacked with a two-game ban for a swinging arm on Newcastle halfback Jackson Hastings. The NRL match review committee charged Sims with a grade two careless high tackle on Hastings in the Storms' 26-18 loss to the Knights on Saturday. Uh, Sims was also facing a nervous weight on a crusher-type tackle, also on Hastings, but was cleared of any wrongdoing by the match review committee. But he did not escape an illegal tackle on Knights forward Matt Croker. Sims was hit with a $3,000 fine with an early play uh, for a grade one shoulder charge on Croker. Meanwhile, Storm hookers, uh, hooker Harry Grant will be free to take on the Eels on Friday night after he was penalised and placed on report when his knees made contact with the back of Phoenix Crossland. Uh, Grant was charged with a Grade 1 dangerous contact, but will be free to take the field with an early guilty plea and a $1,000 fine. North Queensland said a Valentine Holmes won't spend any time on the sideline after he's sinned in for a controversial incident involving Eels halfback Mitch Moses on Saturday night. Holmes will be free to continue the Cowboys' charge to the finals this weekend against the Gold Coast, after he is hit with an $1,800 fine for a Grade 1 careless high tackle on Mitch Moses. Uh, Parramatta's Ryan Madison was also charged uh, for the same match uh, with a Grade 1 dangerous contact on Cowboys back row, uh, Luciano Lua. Madison will be free to take on Melbourne with the charge, drawing a $3,000 fine with an early plea, assuming he pays it uh, and doesn't take uh, the matches instead. Uh, You wouldn't think he would be doing that again. Uh, And Wacker Blake is also facing a $1,500 fine with an early plea. There's just some news from the judiciary asking you about childhood heroes this morning. Uh, This from the Big G. Morning, Dan. Childhood heroes motorsport was Dick Johnson. And, yes, I met him outside of Oran Park. Uh, Thank you for that one, Big G. And also asking you this morning uh, if you were a coach or a CEO and you could take only one of Dylan Edwards and Jerome Loy, who would you take? Daggy Dragon says, I'd rather sign Dylan Edwards because he also organises defence, and we all know defence wins big games. That from the Daggy Dragon. Jerome Loy, Dylan Edwards, of course, you'd like to take both, but if you could only take one, who would you take? And, Panthers fans, are you worried about losing either of them? Bulldogs fans, happy that Liam Knight heading to your club, like tough. Uh, potentially as well some more news around a potential 18th team which I'll bring to you as well shortly but at 20 past five it is time to do this now on tradies news let's get the latest in cricket Tuesday morning, Tradies News in a nutshell. Keep those texts and calls coming in. one one 1170 or 0457-736-736. But switching our attention to cricket now. Of course, Australia having retained the Ashes after the fourth test was a draw after day five. Yesterday was washed out to talk us through it. Some of the big talking points from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Paul Dennett is on the line. Morning to you, Paul.
1: Morning, Dan. Great that the Ashes are where they belong. (laughs) Uh, Yes, back
0: in Australia. Well, staying in Australia, aren't they? Uh, England haven't won it for a while now. Uh, Ended up as a draw. but We'll talk about the game in just a second, but there's been a lot of talk about this from Australia, of course, from a lot of people over in the UK as well. Uh, Feeling a bit, uh, at least from the uh, UK point of view, feeling a bit ripped off. Um, Yeah. Look, I said to you off-air, very happy Australia has retained the Ashes. That's great. They won the first two Test matches. No doubt about all of that. I'm just disappointed from a sporting fan's point of view that we won't get to see a Decider. And the build-up to the Decider, which is only a couple of days away, would have been amazing from both here in Australia and also over there in England.
1: Yeah, I agree. And if I had my way, um, if I could be guaranteed that Australia would win the final Test, Yes. Then I would have been, <laughs> um, you know, by one run maybe or one wicket. Um, that would have been a, a fantastic finish to the series, and I, I, I totally get that. And it's a little bit, um, it's a, it's a bit disappointing that a series that was really resting cricket back onto the back pages of England um, will now lose a little bit of its um, uh, the level of interest in England. Mm. But I, I, I don't understand the the England fans kind of claiming that this is sort of a hollow victory for Australia. Sure. Uh, absolutely, if I was an England fan, I'd be very disappointed to have lost the um, lost the Ashes, as it were, because of the weather. But that's the nature of sport. I mean, there's been times when um, you win a series in a barnstorming way, and uh, you get all the plaudits deservedly. There are other times when you lose you lose series in a in a, in a close way. I mean, 2005, uh, the the most famous Ashes series ever, Australia lost the second test by two runs because of an umpiring error that mm. these days would have been struck down by DRS we would have then gone 2-0 two, two up and probably won the series. So it swings around about, yes, it would have been better to have won it in a more emphatic way. But just, just because England outplayed Australia um, colossally for two days hmm. doesn't rob it of anything uh, other than the fact that it's a, a legitimate series win. They're hard to do. England have won one um, Ashes series since Bob Hawke was Prime Minister in Australia. Mm. That's how difficult it is. Mm. Uh, so I think any time you win one, you've got to cherish it.
0: let us We'll talk about the match in just a, a second. I suppose rain in itself um, and, you know, we, we, they're playing in England, lots of rain there. We've even seen at the SCG for over many years now, the past two or three years, uh, rain affected there. You can't control the weather. Is there anything that cricket maybe could do better to avoid situations like this? Like, for example, we saw in the World Test Championship, they had a spare day uh, just in case there was rain. I I suppose with the cricketing schedule, that could be tough. But have you got any thoughts on that?
1: I think they should bring the reserve day indefinitely for big series like the Ashes. Yes, it would be, um, you know, the scheduling is difficult it's kind of a requirement to have three blank days between tests. Maybe the players would agree to saying, look, the sixth day won't be used all that often. We'll happily have that and have that as one of our three days so that the schedule doesn't have to get changed. Mm. Uh, I think that would be one thing. I think the second thing is, surely we could look at the forecast and say, "Okay, given it's going to rain on days four and five, Mm. um, and if if it had been rained on day one and two, they would play extra on the final days. Let's preemptively play the extra. And if by um, whatever miracle the forecast is wrong and there's no rain, well, you can finish a little bit early on the fifth day. I, I think there can be some, some some things like that. And controversially, when it, whenever it comes to bad light, I always just think we've got the pink ball. It's mm. time to use it. I always imagine trying to explain to an American why are you walking off the field when you've got a fool's house, millions watching worldwide, the format is dying, and you've got blood lights blaring and a ball that's capable of being used and you just don't use it. I just think that's... um that's illogical so I'd like to see some of those things brought in
0: now I know it wouldn't have made any difference in uh, this test match but I did hear something early much earlier on in this series which I found a bit strange very probably English that they couldn't actually start the match any earlier that and we do see that in Australian summers when they're needing to make up time because uh, they were worried that people wouldn't get there in time if they've got trains and stuff like that surely that should be something else that needs to be looked at
1: well, I, I think that they should be trying to maximise as much play as possible. They just do it mm. differently over there. Yes. Whereas we started half an hour earlier, mm. um, if there's been uh, rain lost, they, I think, added 15 minutes to the second session and add 15 minutes to the final session, uh, taking advantage of their enormous twilight over there. So mm. so that part of it's not so bad. But as mm. I said, I'd like to see them preemptively say, OK, let's, let's take advantage of the yeah. sun while we've got it. And people say, oh, you can't change the nature of things. They've already changed it. When I was a kid, mm. they would have lunch at 11, they would have lunch at one o'clock no matter what. I'd seen days where it would rain for two hours, and at one o'clock when the rain stopped and they're ready to play, they'd say, now it's time for lunch. Mm. Um, they have finally realised that, you know, you can move those sorts of things around. I, I think it's time to be a bit uh, more funky.
0: Yeah. And, and sorry, at the end of the day as well, it's an entertainment product and we talk about this re rugby league quite a lot the nrl uh there clearly there are other sports around but uh, and same could probably be said about the big bash that was not brought in just because it is an entertainment product but it is um and they've got to keep it interesting which people have enormous interest in the ashes enormous interest in test cricket quite clearly but you've still got to keep it moving and got to move with the times as well
1: absolutely and you've got to recognize as well just how much the the younger generation in England just don't understand test cricket. I saw on Twitter yesterday this guy who's a, a big football fan saying mm. for the first time in his life, he's got really into the ashes and into cricket. And he said, I can't believe a sport gets decided by the weather like this. And I thought, mm. no Australian sports fan would would find that, that test cricket gets stopped by the weather such an alien concept because... Even if you're not that into cricket, if you're a sports fan, you just can't help it in Australia by being aware of the basics of it. But clearly he was talking about it as though it was a game that he'd never even known existed before. Mm. And so when people like that, with that perspective, look at it, I can see why they're thinking, well, this is ridiculous. And, you know, short of building a roof on every stadium, which I'd be very happy to um, (laughs) divert some taxpayers' money to, Um, I I think we can do a little bit better in in keeping the players on.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Uh, Let's have a quick look at the match itself, because that's sort of been lost a bit in the wash up of the rain and Australia retaining the ashes. Look, Australia were very unlikely to win the match. What did you take out of the fourth test? And there's been a few question marks surrounding Pat Cummins' captaincy in this test. What did you make of it all?
1: Yeah, well, a couple of points there. Firstly, uh, with regards to the test itself, England absolutely colossally outplayed us. And um, that can happen with, with this the, the, the approach that they have. I've said all along, I think that the baseball approach is the right approach for them from a pragmatic point of view. And on that second day, when they just swung from the hilt, it was like a one-day game. And sometimes in a one-day game, the opposition belts 350 against you, even if you've got good bowlers. I don't think that Cummins' tactics were brilliant. I think that um, uh, we we, we take the short ball option too quickly. We push fielders out too quickly. Um, But I still like him as captain. I think that the the notion that if you brought Steve Smith back, you'd suddenly get a far better tactician, I'm not so sure. What I like about Cummins is that he plays the game with a smile on his face. I, as a sort of a traditionalist, am really proud of this Australian side. You know, the Bairstow stumping has uh, overshadowed the fact that this Australian side plays with more grace than any Australian side in my lifetime. And I love it. I'm really mm. proud of them. And I think that Cummins deserves a lot of credit for that. Yes, he had a bad game tactically, um, but I think that that's... Uh, um, when you're up against bad ball and they're just absolutely slogging with some skill and some luck, it, it can be quite challenging. But I think that it doesn't mean that Australia is out of this series in terms of there's a sort of a notion, oh, that England have got our measure now. I still think there's every chance Australia could go into the final test, win it, mm. walk away with a 3-1 series victory, um, and then things will look very different. Um, I'm not necessarily predicting that. But we've seen massive swings in momentum in series in England before.
0: Mm, Yeah, that is true. And we're only, what, a couple of days away from the fifth and final test. Just a final question on this English team. Uh, Clearly, they're all disappointed. You heard an interview with Ben Stokes saying it was very disappointing anything they could have done differently in this test match alone to maybe try and force a result? I mean, it has to be said that on day four, clearly didn't get a whole day, but there was still what, 25, 30 overs, something like that. So there was maybe not enough time to get them all out. Um, And in the end with no play on day five, it would have been null and void, but is there anything they could have made done quickly, uh, quicker to maybe make this test go their way?
1: I sort of think, yes. And it's, it's churlish for me to say that because, they played this Test match in a spirit I've very rarely seen. In terms of the aggression that they showed at points, it was just unbelievable. But what I found strange was that on on day two in the second session they scored at seven and a half runs and over, mm. and then in the final session I just looked to be more of the same with an aggressive declaration. The final session, Harry Brook, who was the kind of poster boy for baseball, scored something like eighteen off forty. Mm. He's a bloke with a Test strike rate of about a hundred. Ben Stokes was quite conservative. They ended up then not only not declaring that night, not declaring until after lunch the next day. Now, Ben Stokes very emphatically says, no, we couldn't have done any more. I think they could have done a little bit more, knowing that realistically the forecast was such that there wasn't going to be much play on days four and five. I think they needed to say, we're going to just go um, full on out, trying to win it in three days. They almost did that. I just think they could have just taken that final step. And I'm a bit puzzled as to why they didn't. But as I said, they still played at a... um, extraordinarily expansive way so it's hard to be too critical of
0: them. And still a lot to play for for both teams heading into into the fifth and final test beginning on Thursday night as well.
1: Massively. I think that the Australians, I mean maybe the average fan in England might have lost a little bit of interest. I think the Australians will be up for this fifth test more so than any test match in recent memory including the World Test Championship final because they feel they've got unfinished business. They feel that to all in 2019 didn't reflect the the actual true um, sort of margin in that Mm. series. And they are very conscious of the fact that, you know, the Piers Morgans of this world are saying that this is a hollow victory and that Australia have been totally outplayed. They really want to win this and win it 3-1 and that would put all of those um, criticisms to bed.
0: Paul, great stuff. We'll chat to you again on Thursday morning to preview the final test of this Ashes series. And, of course, uh, Cricket Unfiltered podcast yourself, Menas, Jale- well, I'm sure Julie hasn't uh, taken part for many, many weeks, but I'm sure you've got it all covered as well.
1: Definitely, yeah. is having um, a great time in France. Yes, um, but yeah. um, <laughs> Tune in for Menas and than me. Thanks very much, Dan.
0: Thank you, mate. We'll chat on Thursday. See ya. Paul Dennett from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast talking all things ashes after Australia retained the ashes yesterday. Three to six. We're going to have a chat to John Gallo in just a second. It's going to be a very interesting chat. We will also talk about the Women's World Cup in a second. Uh, just before that, bit of uh, more news from the rugby league. Well, the Roosters have received more good news on the availability of Sam Walker as they attempt, attempt to continue a late surge towards the finals. Uh, Last night on NRL 360 also review, uh, revealed in the Sydney Morning Herald that Sam Walker has been cleared to play and expected to be back in a fortnight. Walker was sent up to Townsville to see a specialist after suffering a knee injury whilst playing New South Wales Cup. He underwent a series of tests on the knee, which he passed. The Roosters have confirmed that Walker had been medically has been medically approved to play with a return to reserve grade slated for round 23 and a potential callback to the NRL side the following week. It is an interesting one, though, isn't it, uh, Reece, Sam Walker? And I, I saw some people saying this on social media um, last night. Now, if, if, and it is a very, very big if, if the Roosters manage to beat the Broncos on Thursday night, uh, they've got Manly the week after, and then he would be back the week after that, which I think they play the Dolphins from memory. Now, if they have to be going on a winning streak and win their next two matches, even if maybe they win one of their next two, you probably risk bringing him back. But if the Roosters are to lose to the Broncos and are to lose to Manly, you sort of wonder, is it worth the risk of bringing Sam Walker back if there's no point for the rest of the season? So for me, if uh, if I was Trent Robinson and I was on the Roosters coaching staff, clearly you want to be making the finals, and it was an impressive win against the Titans the other day. But still a really big test against the Broncos and a pretty big test next Thursday night against Manly as well. Um, if the Roosters win those couple of matches and they're in contention for the finals, then I think yeah, you definitely have to bring Sam Walker back. If not, I, I personally don't know if it's worth the risk. If you're a Roosters fan, interested to hear from you, one or 0457-736-736. All right, time to do this.
1: Now on Tradies News, it's time for the latest in football.
0: Yes. Now, it's 21 to 6. Firstly, I'll say good morning to John Gallo. Happy Tuesday to you, John. Oh,
2: yes. Happy Tuesday, Dan. Now, happy, happy
0: Tuesday. Now, what we, a day. now we, we will get to the Women's World Cup in just a second because there is a lot to talk about. However, um, I messaged you yesterday and I said, good for the show. You said, good. I messaged you, I reckon, about 39 minutes ago and said, yep, good. No stress, no stress. Can you explain to the listeners uh, what has happened uh, since I sent you that message at five a.m. to getting you on air now? Because it seems that you've gone through an ordeal that will not actually end after you finish uh, your little segment here on the show. So, John, no. take it away.
2: Yes. Well, I, as a committed member of the uh, of the SCN team, Dan, I mm. got up at five o'clock yep. as I normally do. Uh, you know, and uh, I didn't turn the lights on. I can't turn the lights on because my missus is still sleeping in the same room, so Mm -hmm. God forbid I I turn the lights on and and wake her up. And uh, so, you know, about quarter past five, I thought, okay, well, I'll make my way downstairs to the uh, car area and sit in the car so that I don't have to wake her up with my booming voice Mm -hmm. Uh, or her sister who's come to visit us from overseas, how Mm. lovely of her. Uh, So I thought I'd grab the car keys and I'll get downstairs and... We will all good. Get in the car, sit there, talk away, don't have to bother anybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get inside the lift, I press the ground button, and then I realised as I was going downstairs, I didn't have the car keys in my hands then. Mm. Uh, and the issue with that is, number one, I can't even get into the car. No, well, I no. To. Mm. And number two is I can't get back up because on her car keys, she's got the access uh, swiper into the lift. So I have had to then get the ground floor, I went out, there's a guy vacuuming, hundred, you know, 100 miles an hour, really loud in my left ear, and I thought, no, nah, I'm not going to go in here, I can't stay in reception and just talk, so I have to nip into a little toilet in the reception area, I've got inside the toilet, I've locked myself in, the guy with the vacuum, he's seen me come in here about five, 5, 10 minutes ago, he's probably wondering what the hell is this guy doing in there? Um, so if I don't get interrupted by the police in about five <laughs> minutes' time, then I'll be happily assisting you <laughs> through the Women's World Cup. Uh, otherwise, it could be uh, briefly interrupted by uh, by the police. But anyway, <sighs> we'll continue.
0: So just a quick question: uh, What are you going to do post segment? Because uh, well, you, 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 your part- yeah. your partner not might not be awake this early. Um, no. You're going to go on a walk, maybe, maybe go and get a coffee. But you probably don't have your wallet. No. Well, I don't have my wallet.
2: That's, that's, that's the first thing. Unless I had the card downloaded, which my missus always tells me, if I had my card downloaded onto my phone, mm. I should have always been able to download it on my phone, but I don't have it on my phone, of course. Mm. Uh, so that's the issue. Yeah. And Secondly, I don't have keys to get back into the building. So mm. if I leave the building, I mm. can't get back in, Dan. So yeah. uh, that's a worry in itself. Mm. So I think I'll have to just, unfortunately, wake her up again. Uh, I have to tell her to come down the lift to... Uh, to, to rescue me, Dan, if mm.
0: you can. Well, you let me know how oh, that wow. how that unfolds. All right, uh, yeah. we are finally alive. we yeah. we are finally catching up for a drink on Friday. Um, we uh, are, and I, I'm looking forward to hearing about how the rest of this unfolds. As are, I'm sure all of the listeners, and the good news is uh, we'll all find out on Thursday morning when we speak again. Um, but the good news is, look, if Hello. you if you do need to go out in Newcastle at the moment, it is 9.5, so it's not too
2: cold. No, it's not too cold. It is, it is nice and uh. nice and quiet out there too at this time of the hour, so I can go for a nice stroll and mm. not be bothered by anybody. Mm. Uh, but I do have my sandals on, Dan, otherwise referred to as my uh, Jesus shoes. And um and I don't think I can uh, go too far in them to be fair. Mm. The other issue I found out, Dan, as I've been in here for about ten minutes in the reception is toilet, is the, the the stench inside of the toilet here. Uh, is is quite quite severe. So I don't think I'll be uh, looking at the reception with any fond glances um, in the next 24 hours. T- um, no. Quite uh, surprising when you see that they're very small in stature, these reception people. But, jeez, tall toilet has uh, left a mark for sure. Uh, text, no doubt I'm experiencing right now.
0: Text here, uh, and then we will get to the football because we've literally only got about five minutes left. Uh, text here, um, if, if it was they say if it was my partner if they've got what if they got woken up you may never be allowed out of the house ever again now have you have you thought about this one
2: no i haven't i haven't thought about this one No. <laughs> I, I don't want to think about it Then i try not to um, at this point in time my, my memory let's say is, is very clouded Mm. Uh, by numerous things. So well, uh, the maintenance man is probably outside. I hear a bit of commotion, but anyway, we'll, we'll resume as normal. But he's probably worried that I'm talking and, uh, and <laughs> possibly who knows well, uh, what I'm doing in here. Actually, the, main- what the maintenance man is thinking. If you're the maintenance man, what are you thinking right now? You've seen someone go to the 10 minutes on the phone, talking away. God knows what he's thinking. Well, anyway.
0: maybe you could get the maintenance man to let you upstairs, though.
2: Well, he could let me into the lift. He probably has Mm. an access path Mm. to all the floors, I'd imagine. Mm. uh, I doubt he can get me actually physically into Mm. my room. If he could, I'd be slightly happy, but then I'd be a little bit concerned that he could could access my own unit apartment as well. Right. Um, but anyway, you don't know. Mainus men have the keys to many things, Dan.
0: They do. The, they. Hagrid,
2: the Hagrid of the Harry Potter world.
0: They do. Well, you, you follow up in just a second or her up in just a second. Just before that, that what we actually did get you on to talk about is the Women's World Cup. And we've almost completely run out of time for that, quite frankly. <laughs> but, look, just do want to ask you, I, I think it's been fantastic. And we will talk more on Thursday and Friday morning when the Matildas are in action. Yesterday, I sat down and watched all of Italy and Argentina. They won uh, 1-0 Italy over Argentina. Germany 6 Morocco nil yesterday, um, and then Brazil four over Panama nil. So no real surprises there, but really entertaining. And I think the crowds, especially in Australia, but still really good crowds in New Zealand. And New Zealand are in action today. Have been fantastic, and some of the quality of football really good.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The football's been fantastic. I mean, the Italy and Argentina game I thought yesterday was probably the best game in terms of the, the football, the fluency of passing and the end-to-end physicality as well. I thought it was, it was brilliant. Um, Italy, obviously, as you said, triumphed over the end by one goal to nil. But the football in general has been brilliant. Uh, seeing, obviously, the Matildas play, seeing New Zealand play such good football. and And what's been the great thing about the World Cup so far is the closeness of the of the games as well. There hasn't been, besides obviously the Germany game and, and Brazil overnight. But besides that, it's all been one nil, two nil wins. There hasn't been any more than that. It's been very close. So uh, we've had a few close upsets as well. Um, so you know, really, really good to see that you know there's been a few upsets along the way so early in the competition.
0: Yeah, really good. And there's three games today. Colombia's up against the Colombias. Colombia up against South Korea. New Zealand, who of course got a shock win against Norway in their first game, up against the Philippines. Uh, and then today at six pm, Switzerland play Norway. As we know, the Matildas are in action on Thursday night against Nigeria. Just a few quick tips for the games
2: today: Colombia or
0: South Korea, Jonathan? Well,
2: this is going to be a close one too. They're probably leading teams in their respective groups. I'm going to lean towards Colombia. I think there's that, you know, a bit of fluency with the Colombian team. Uh, oh, I've got a good friend of mine who's reporting over at the Colombian team at cool. Marconi Stadium since they've been landing in Sydney. So uh, he says they're very well prepared and very well trained. So based on that first-hand knowledge, Dan, I'm going to go with Colombia 1-0.
0: Do you expect New Zealand to make it
2: two from two against the Philippines? I do, actually. I think they've got over the more difficult task against Norway in Game 1. I think now Game 2, I expect them to to really put it on the Philippines. Um, I think this is their one chance to try and Nail themselves to get into the uh, into the final stage. Obviously, after that, New Zealand will play Switzerland, which will be a, a tougher proposition. So, mm. I think New Zealand will come out guns blazing against the Philippines. I think New Zealand win two nil.
0: And speaking of Switzerland, probably on paper the game of the day, Switzerland up against Norway. That'll be at six pm tonight.
2: Yeah, I expect I expect Norway to get over this. Just I think one nil. I think it'll be a tight game throughout. But I expect Norway to uh, to make the advance through and. Finally, get their first win of the uh, of the World Cup
0: tournament. All right, and don't forget every game you can hear on the SEN network on the app. Fantastic coverage here on SEN as always, John. Well, the good news is we're going to speak again on Thursday, Friday, and then the Matildas are back well, in action. Yeah, well, then the Matildas are back in action on Monday, and Tuesday. <laughs> so we're going to speak Thursday, Friday, Monday, and Tuesday. So you are going to be a very busy man. But my key question to you now, uh, and you've got about one minute yeah. to
2: answer this: What are you going to do next? I'm going to try and hunt down the maintenance man, I see if he can access thing. into the lift. Mm. Uh, if he can't, then I'm going to have to make the dreaded call, the dreaded message to missus. I'll, I'll message her first. Mm. And if not, I'll have to call her, and then I can say, "Well, at least I tried to message you." Mm. I had to call you, Dan. So oh. that's the thinking. That's the thinking right now in the women's toilet. I can barely think in this reception oh. area. Uh, But anyway, it is what it is.
0: I would try and hunt down the maintenance person first and then go to the backup option. That that would be my recommendation. Well, John, uh, I really do appreciate your commitment to the show. I look forward to speaking to you in 48 hours. I'm hoping uh, you'll be in a slightly better situation than that, but who would know? Um, I look forward to seeing you on Friday. um, And I wish you a great Tuesday. I'm sure, look, look, think about it like this. It can only get yeah. better. It, it can't get any worse. Well, it <laughs> might get worse temporarily, but then it can only get better,
2: okay? Well, it's just me, Glenn, 20, and a sanitary waste bin at the moment, Dan, and <laughs> an empty toilet seat. So it doesn't get much worse than this on a Tuesday morning, and... And there's some tub here. I don't know what this tub is for, on the side of my sinky, but I'll take a photo of it and I'll send it to you. Please God do. God knows what that's for, but anyway. Thank you, John. All right, mate. we'll have a lovely day. Thank Trinidad. you. I'll you out of this
0: pickle and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'll speak to you on Thursday. Bye-bye. Uh, John Gallo, that is the most unique report I've done in my 18 months of hosting this show. We'll finish the show with some text shortly. It's 10 and a half to six. <laughs> Jason says on the text, if I was John, I would have first called his partner, then the maintenance man. Uh, well, we'll we'll keep you up to date. I'm sure he'll be okay. We'll we'll let you know. Um Texts. Uh, this from the Oval Treeman. Hi Dan. As a kid, was interested in middle to long distance running. A childhood hero was Ralph Double, uh, who I watched win the 800 metres at the 1968 Mexico Games. Was fortunate enough to meet him um, at a pre-Sydney 2000 Olympics athletics event. A wonderful man. Thank you, Oval Treeman. Uh, Chuck says, "Hi Dan. Just want to let you know that the Knights are making the finals in 2023." Well. They played well against the Storm. That's three in a row now. And when we get Dylan Edwards, we will have the most lethal attack in the competition. Well, thank you, Chuck. So Chuck believes that Dylan Edwards were going to the Knights. Uh, morning, Dan. As a Panthers fan, I don't want to lose either Jerome Lui or Dylan Edwards, but with all their depth, they are lacking depth in the halves. So I would say Jerome Lui is the priority. On Sam Walker, uh, the Chook man says, Hi, Dan, just let Walker rest until next year. Season gone, in my opinion. But on the flip side of that, Bar Chook says, we need to bring Sammy back ASAP. Even if the season is done, give the young gun some confidence for next year playing in first grade after being dropped early in the season. Massive games, two Thursdays in a row. Need to win both, and we can. That from the C-Bar Chook. We'll wait and see what happens with that. Thank you for all your texts. Thank you to Paul Dennett. Good luck to John Gallo. Uh, poor guy. Uh, we will be out tomorrow morning. Maddie Cox will join me, Uh, host of Tradies News in Melbourne. Patton Hills coming up in Queensland. and Copes in Sydney. That follows the news. I'll see you tomorrow morning from 5.